I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Standing, please turn back just a couple of pages, 632. We want to read together the scripture. God's promise to you is freedom. 632 from John 8 and 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll read this in unison this morning. 632, God's promise to you is freedom. We'll read the verses together. 632, would you read with me God's word? God's promise to you is freedom. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in your holy presence. We thank you for this special weekend as we think about those who sacrifice that we might enjoy the freedom that we have. Father, I pray your richest blessings upon families who have lost loved ones serving our country. Lord, I pray that you might just give your grace and your comfort to them. We pray for those that are putting their lives on the line, uh, lives on the line even now, that you would keep them safe and watch over them. Lord, help us as the scripture just instructed us to not use our freedom as a cover-up for evil, to not use the freedom that we enjoy to do that which would dishonor you and even dishonor our land. But Lord, to use it in a way that would bring honor and glory to you for the good of others and for your glory. We love you and praise you and thank you for this special time together. I pray your blessing upon this service. Give much honor and glory to yourself here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.
Oh, 
you take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn again to that little book of First John. First John, easiest way to find it is go back to the end, Revelation, and turn back just a bit, and you'll find yourself in First John, chapter three. We're going to finish up that third chapter this morning. And while you're finding that, Christian, I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. I don't want you to answer out loud or anything, but just in your own heart, in your own mind, think about these questions for a moment. Do you ever have doubts about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you ever have doubts about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you ever doubt your salvation? Do you ever doubt God's love, the love that God has for you? If you do, I want you to know that you are not alone. One of the reasons that uh, God the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this little book was to give assurance. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And so obviously if he's writing to them so they might know and be assured of it, obviously some of them likewise were probably struggling with this idea of assurance. But really, why do we struggle with assurance? Why do doubts arise in our hearts as believers? As a believer concerning our relationship with Jesus Christ and our salvation and God's love. Why do these doubts arise in our hearts in the first place? Pastor Stephen Lawson in his book, Absolutely Sure, uh, he, he, he sought to answer that question. Listen to what he wrote. Many factors can cause one to doubt his or her salvation. As pain is helpful to let us know that something is wrong with our health, so doubt may be helpful to reveal that something is wrong with our spiritual well-being. When a true believer experiences significant doubt, it probably is an indicator that a spiritual problem exists. He writes, sinful behavior can cause one to doubt. Feelings of guilt produce a troubled conscience and can cause a person to question the validity of his or her salvation. In addition, unconfessed sin only provokes this restless feeling of uncertainty about salvation. Temptation from the world, if it is not resisted, can cause one to burn with lust. And when these factors are brought to bear upon an already fragile faith, doubt can emerge. And so we understand sinful behavior can cause us to doubt. He also says also some people doubt their salvation because of a poor understanding of God's word. They fail to grasp the meaning of God's grace, believing that they are somehow responsible to do good works to maintain their acceptance with God. They strive to keep themselves saved, little realizing that eternal life they have received lasts for eternity. Finally, he writes, some Christians doubt their salvation if they experience a painful trial, the death of a spouse, a doctor's diagnosis of cancer. A job layoff may cause them to doubt whether God loves them. So Pastor Lawson suggests that unconfessed sin and ignorance of God's word and God's grace, painful trials, these things can cause doubt to come into our lives. And I believe he's absolutely, totally correct. But hear me this morning, beloved. God wants you to have assurance. He wants you to have assurance. God wants you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, to be certain, to have confidence that you are his child. And he loves you with an everlasting love and an ending love and that you have eternal life. 
Now, I've mentioned this before, I, I believe here in this setting. But this is something that I struggle with for years in my own life. That is the idea that I wasn't sure that I was born again. I wasn't sure. I didn't have that assurance because I received some faulty teaching early on in my life. And beloved, may I I testify this morning that living with a lack of assurance is a miserable way to live. It's miserable. I meant to really wonder, am I really born again? If I die at this moment, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? That is a miserable way to live. And God wants us to know. And one of the reasons he gave us 1 John is that we might know. He says that in chapter 5, verse 13. These things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life. But you know what? Even when we have that assurance and we know that we're a child of God, are there not times where our hearts accuse us? When we suffer from self-condemnation, when we doubt D. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. He says, doubts are not incompatible with faith. Some people seem to think that once you become a Christian, you should never be assailed by doubts. But that is not so. Talking about Peter when he was walking on the water there in Matthew 14. It says, Peter still had faith as he panicked in that storm. His faith was not gone, but because it was weak, doubt mastered him and overwhelmed him and he was shaken. He said, doubts will attack us. Doubts will attack us, but that does not mean that we're to allow them to master us. There's a great difference. There's a great difference between a doubt coming into our life and allowing that doubt to master us and have control over us. So we may suffer from doubt. We may suffer from self-condemnation. We may suffer from an accusing heart. But what do we do during these times? How do we live when we struggle with doubt? How do we live so these doubts do not master us? Well, our passage addresses it. If you look in chapter 3, I hope you found it by now. Beginning at verse 19. I want you to see what the scripture says. 1 John three nineteen, He says, and by this we know, we know that we are of the truth. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, And love one another as he gave his commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. I want you to notice in those few verses, we started out talking about the fact that we know. Verse 19. And we end up in verse 24 with we know. And I want you to notice that when it comes to assurance, there are some truths in this passage That we would be wise to recognize and remember when you're struggling with doubt. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with assurance. You're not certain. You've asked the Lord into your heart. You've repented of your sin, but you still have that doubt. Maybe you have self-condemnation. Your heart's accusing you today. What do you do? Well, number one, remember this. Recognize this. God is greater than our doubts. God is greater than our doubts. That's what we understand in verses 19 and 20. God is greater than our doubts. Look again at the first part of verse 19. And by this we know. What's he talking about this? And by this we know. Well, it refers us back to what just came before. 
And in the verses right before this passage, it's all about loving the brethren, loving one another. Look at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. We've talked about it already in our study. One of the proofs that we are truly a child of God, we're truly born again, is the fact that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he says, by this we know. So God wants us to have assurance today. But I need to say something else in regards to this. And that is I'm going to be very careful because it's vital that we do not have a false assurance. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 13, excuse me, second Corinthians 13, verse five says, examine yourselves, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are qualified? We don't want a false assurance. How tragic for a person to go through life with a false assurance. Thinking all the while that they're saved, thinking all the while they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when in actuality they are not. And so he gives us these proofs, these helps in Scripture, these things we can look at. And one of those proofs is the fact that we love the brethren. And by this, verse 19, we know that we are of the truth that shall assure our hearts before him. You see, this love for the brethren helps give assurance to our heart, to ourselves. Now, beloved, we know that there are times when we fail. We know that there are times when we fumble. There are times we make mistakes, times when we sin, sins of omission, sins of commission. We fail the Father, we deny the Son, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We mistreat our spouse, we yell at our kids, we kick the dog. And at that time, the adversary can come along and accuse us. And sometimes it's not the adversary, it's our own heart. Our own heart accuses us. And you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, you remember that church down there. See what it says here? It says there in verse 19, what? It says... It says there, and by this we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, verse 20, if our heart condemns us, you ever been there? That accusation comes from your heart? I have. In those times, you remember that God is greater than our doubts. God is greater than our doubts. He says in verse 24, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. You see, God is not at the mercy of our feelings, of our, of our insecurities, of our failures. He is greater. He's greater than our heart. He's greater than our doubts. He's greater than our sin. And it's interesting where it says that he knows all things. God knows all things. And as I studied that, some people wanted to translate that and interpret that in this way. Listen, you better watch out. God knows all things. Uh, God knows what you're doing. And they translate in a sense where it's like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You better do good because God knows that. And they say it in a real stern way. And beloved, while it is true that God knows all things and he knows when we sin and he knows when we do wrong and he knows all those things, that's true. I don't believe that's the spirit of this passage. When it says that God knows all things, I think the idea here is an idea of comfort and assurance. That is the fact that, in other words, God, even though you've blown it, God is greater. Even though you've sinned, God is greater. Even though you have doubt, God is greater. Even though your heart accuses you, God is greater. 
And he still loves you. Let's face it, beloved. God knew that we were going to blow it before he even created us. That's true individually. That's true corporately as a human race. God knew that Adam and Eve were going to disobey him. And eat of that forbidden fruit and plunge the human race into sin before he ever created them. And yet he still created them. God knew that you were going to blow it from time to time before he ever saved you. But God loves you and he saves you and God knows all things. Now, this is not to make light of sin. No, sir. But listen, God is greater than our sin, greater than our heart, greater than our doubt. And when we live with this confidence in God, this confidence, this security, this assurance, it changes our lives. I can't help but think of the blind hymn writer, Fanny Crosby's words. We'll sing them later in this service. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. See, this confidence changes our lives. Are you dealing with doubt this morning, Christian? Remember, God is greater than your doubt. Second thing. God is eager to answer our prayers. God is eager to answer our prayers. Now, verse 21 shows us what an assured Christian looks like. A Christian walking in confidence in the Lord. First John three twenty one says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us. We have confidence toward God. If our heart does not condemn us. So in one part, we have the heart condemning us. This part is not condemning us. We have assurance. It says we have confidence toward God. That word confidence there means a boldness. It means a freedom of speech. These verses, verses 21 through 23, talk about our prayer lives. Now listen, the accusing heart. Self-condemnation. A lack of assurance and the like will absolutely kill your prayer life. Absolutely. Because you'll sit there and say, well, I don't feel worthy to even talk to God, much less ask God anything. And listen, if you have a hard time looking at yourself in the mirror, how in the world are you going to look to God in prayer? That is not how God wants us to live. He wants us to come boldly before his throne of grace through the finished work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next two verses are amazing. Look at verse 22. It says, and whatever we ask. We receive from him. Wow. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Let me ask you a question. Is that a blank check to ask for anything our heart desires? Is that an open invitation? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You fill in the blank. Is that an invitation to ask for and be guaranteed to receive Cadillacs and Rolexes? And mansions and money and riches and whatever we want. Because it says what? Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Well, give me the short answer first. No. Okay. Now, let's see what it's all about. Because the guarantee is qualified by the rest of verse 22. And then verse 23. Look at it again. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because. Uh-oh. 
because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So there's some things that qualify that statement that whatever we ask, we get. First of all, we must know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He's commanded us to believe that verse there, uh, verse 23, that phrase talking about believing on his son, Jesus Christ in the Greek is the sense of happening at one point in time. It's salvation. You've believed in Jesus Christ. You've turned from your sin and placed your faith in him. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. That's the sense in the Greek. You believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to be a child of God. And then it says we're to be doing what? We're to love one another. And the sense in the original, that is ongoing. It's habitual. It's going on and on and on. We've already seen it in the verses prior to this passage. We love the brethren. And so this fits the theme of what we've been studying for a while. We know Jesus Christ as Savior. There's a point in time where we meet Him. We place our faith in Him. We turn from our sin. We trust Him as Lord and Savior of life. And because of that, we love the brethren. And we keep on loving the brethren. And we love the brethren because we love our Savior and Lord. He saved us. He gives us a love for the brethren. And then the rest of verse 22 says what? It says we keep his commands and please him. In other words, the reason that you can ask whatever you want is because you are living a life that's pleasing to him. You're obeying his word. You're seeking his will. You're living out his will in your life. You're seeking to please him. And so your requests are going to be in line with that sort of life. In other words, you're living a life that's pleasing to him. You're seeking to obey him. And in doing that, the things you ask for are going to please him. The things you ask him are going to bring pleasure to him. Listen, God is a greater father than any of us. Men, let's just be honest about it. He's not going to give us, his child, something that's going to harm us. It's going to be detrimental to us. But he is eager to answer our prayers and give us good things for his glory. If you put your finger there, maybe turn the page, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says in chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 of 1 John, now this is the confidence that we have in him. There's that word again, confidence. That if we ask anything, what's the next part say? According to his will, he hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So all of our requests are guaranteed if they're in his will. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's not God's will that we all have a Cadillac and a mansion and a Rolex. Sorry to burst your bubble. It's not. But it's God's will to answer our prayers and give us good things in his will for his honor and our good. For his glory. Now listen, if you have a Rolex or a Cadillac or a mansion, God bless you. Don't go away feeling bad that we're condemning you. In fact, I hope you'll start tithing here regularly. But here's the idea. Here's the idea. Our prayer requests line up with God's will and God's command, and we will seek to bring pleasure to him. So ask him, child of God, don't let your accusing heart, you know, you call yourself a Christian, and you, you had a disagreement with your spouse, and you yelled at your child, and you kicked the dog, and you looked at that person crossways, and that person pulled out in front of you, and you, you did some things you shouldn't have done. Don't let all that accusing heart deal with those things. Confess them, repent of them, forsake them. And then come boldly through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, none of us are worthy, by the way. I don't care on your best day. I mean, when you read five chapters in the Bible and you prayed for an hour and you witnessed for an hour, did all this on your best day. We're not worthy. 
Because it's all of God's grace. And so come asking him. He's eager. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. We don't deserve it. It's all of his grace. And so I say to you today, are you dealing with doubt? Number one, remember, God is greater than your doubt. Number two, God is eager to answer your prayers. But there's a third thing here. We find it in verse 24, and it's this. God is already abiding in us. God is already abiding in us. Look at verse 24 there. We've got to realize this now. If we've really responded to the gospel... And we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're secure in Jesus Christ. In fact, God the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. If not, you're not a child of God. Look at verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, so that this is what? Keeping his commandments, abiding in him, he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? By the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, what commandments are, is he talking about there in verse 24? He who keeps his commandments. Well, I think he's talking about the commandments in verse 23. What commandments are in verse 23? Well, first of all, salvation. You believe in the name of the Son of God. You, you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And because of that, there's an ongoing love for the brethren. And that's proof that we're in the truth. We're born again. We're abiding in him. He's abiding in us. And by this, we know that he abides in us. How? By his Holy Spirit. One commentator I read this past week made a very important point I had not thought of. I want to share it with you. And that's this. We've got to make sure that we keep a distinction between security and assurance. Security and assurance. In other words, listen, beloved. The security of the believer is God's business. Your security is God's business. God promises to keep you secure. No man can pluck you out of his hand. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are secure in Jesus Christ. But there's a difference between security and assurance. Because assurance is our business, if you will. And it comes as we trust in God's security. Do you see the difference? We're securing Christ... That's God's business. Assurance itself is our business as we trust in God's assurance and God's security, I should say. So God will keep us secure. If we're truly born again, we have eternal life. Now, how long is eternal life? Eternal, forever. And if it can stop, it's not eternal. I used to do this with youth groups growing up. I would say, okay, I'm going to put a dot here in the middle of this, uh, probably a chalkboard back then. I put a dot here on the chalkboard, and I'm going to begin drawing a circle around to represent eternity, and you tell me when to quit. And I put a dot there, and I begin drawing around. I say, okay, you all stop me whenever you can stop. Just keep, you stop me whenever I'm done. And guess what? We never stop, right? We ran on a board. Why? Because eternity is forever and ever. And God says he gives us eternal life. It doesn't stop. And by the way, eternal life begins the moment we trust Jesus Christ. Yeah, we may die here, but it's just changing locations, if you will, right? To be absent in the body is present with the Lord. We have eternal life and we have to trust him. We must understand the gospel. We're saved by grace through faith, period. We're not on a performance based situation and relationship. We're not saying, OK, a lot of people live this way. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm saved by grace. But man, I've got to keep myself saved by works. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're saved by grace through faith, period. When we get on that performance-based idea mentality, that's when those guilt 
uh, guilty feelings and accusing hearts and self-condemnation begins, right? Because we can't make it. We can't do it. I can't read my Bible enough. I I, I can't pray enough. I, I can't do these things. I keep failing and failing and failing. Listen, guys, it's all of God's grace. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We can't do that. It's because of his love and his grace for us. We're not seeking to keep ourselves in his favor and seeking to keep ourselves in his love. God loves you as much today as he'll ever love you. Can't love you more, can't love you less, because he loves you with a perfect love. And so he loves you when you read your Bible. He loves you when you don't read your Bible. He loves you when you pray. He loves you when you don't pray. He loves you when you witness, when you, when you do not witness. You understand? We do those things not so we can make it and say, ooh, notice me. No, God loves you. We do those things out of our love for him. We, we want to read his word because we love him. We want to pray because we love him. We want to witness because we love him. We love other people because we love him. And you see, that takes away the burden from our own hearts. That takes away the burden from our shoulders to realize I'm loved with an everlasting love. I'm secure in Jesus Christ no matter what I do today. Now, I want to please him, yes, and I think you do as well. And I want to honor him and I want to serve him and I want to do these things. But I'm secure in Jesus Christ regardless of what happens in my life. Do you understand? Security is God's business. Assurance is our business as we trust in God's security. He says, no man can pluck you out of my hand. We're saved by grace. And if you'll understand the gospel, if you understand there's nothing you can do that Jesus did it all for you, it will free you up then to begin dealing with your sin. And you know what? As you begin growing in your Christian life, you're going to find that the more you grow in Christ, the more sin you see in your life. So what do you mean by that? Well, God, the Holy Spirit is so gracious to us. We, we deal with one sin and then there's a sin we didn't even know about in our life. And he begins to work on us and work with us and help us to understand. And we can say, Lord, I'm still secure in you and you love me. And you said, if I'll confess this, that you'll forgive me and put me in a right fellowship with you. And Lord, I want to deal with this in my life. And, and I realize I come to you through Christ and his righteousness. And so if you're here today and you're dealing with doubt in your life, number one, make sure you truly are born again. I don't want you to have a false assurance. Make sure there's been a time in your life, whenever it was, where you truly turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ. But then if that is the case and you're still dealing with this idea of assurance and you're not sure and I don't know, would you settle that today as you trust in God's security? In God's word, in God's promise. And there's a verse I want to give you that I want to encourage you. And it's not in this week's memory, memory verse, but I want to give it to you because it's a verse that will help you, I believe, to hang on to as a child of God. It's a verse to memorize, master, hang on to. In fact, I think it's a great verse to write in the margin where it talks about there about your heart condemning you. If you're a child of God, if you would write there eight in Romans eight, one, listen to Romans eight, one. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's no condemnation. None. There's none. No condemnation. Now, we often try to condemn ourselves. And our hearts accuse us. But listen, when the Lord looks upon us, 
He sees us standing not in our sin, not in our failure, but in Christ's righteousness because we are in him and he is in us. As we learned this past week, I am crucified with Christ. When he died on the cross, I died on the cross. And it says what? And it's not. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so Christ is living his life in me now. And that's a hard to get your arms around. I mean, that's some some deep stuff there. But it's the truth nonetheless. That we're in Christ and there's no condemnation. And living with this kind of confidence in God brings a confidence and a joy to your life that is marvelous. And so if you're here today, Chris, you're dealing with doubt. Remember, God is greater than your doubts. He's eager to answer your prayer. And also, he is already abiding in you. Now, I want to point out something real quick before we close, and that's this. Our confidence is not a confidence in ourselves. It's a confidence in God. Don't ever miss that. The arm of flesh will fail us. There is in us nothing good. We are in Christ and Christ's righteousness and our confidence is in him. As Fanny said in her hymn, perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Can you say that today, friend? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have the assurance of your salvation? If not, if you've never been saved, today's the day to come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you have and you're still struggling, today's the day to understand the gospel and receive God's good gift of assurance as you trust in his sure security over you. Father, I've done my best to expound your word today. And Lord, I believe that in a group this size, there are probably many who have been struggling in this area. Lord, we get on that treadmill of performance, seeking to do things to gain your love and seeking to do things to stay in your love. But Lord, help us to understand today that you love us with a perfect love. And that it's all of grace. We can't earn it. We, we can't work for it. We can't keep it. You give it to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the security we have in Christ. And Lord, to have this boldness, this, this freedom in speech, Lord, not in ourselves, but in you, as we come before you with our prayers and our petitions, as we seek to please you, Lord, yes, but realizing it's all of your grace. And so, Lord, I pray if anybody here today does not know you, maybe they have a false assurance today. Maybe they never met you, never received Christ. Would you bring them in these next few moments and allow someone to share the gospel with them? And then, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if there's anyone here today, they've been struggling with this. I pray today that it will be the day where it's settled in their life. That they will leave here with that confidence, that assurance that they are secure in Christ. And that freedom that comes in being able now to operate out of the gospel, out of grace, not out of works. They can come before you and allow you to work and mold and shape them into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation. Lord, thank you for the gift of assurance. 
We love you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 334 is our closing hymn. It's that song I've been talking about. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not certain about that. Make it right today. Make it certain today. As we're singing, I'll be down here at the front. Just come take me by the hand and say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'll take you and welcome you and place you as someone here who loves you and loves Jesus. They'll take a Bible and they'll sit down there and show Christ with you. That's what they're going to do. And then I think there may be some believers here today. Maybe you need to come settle this today. And really get this nailed down. That your security is in Jesus Christ. And understand assurance in your life. The altar is open for you. Come pray today. And we'd love to have you who can as well. 334, we're standing and saying, blessed assurance. Let's stand. You come, 334.